so great to have you here at Edgewood Baptist Church this morning. I'm just thrilled that uh, the congregation is full and, and uh, hopefully uh, your tank is empty to be filled with, his, with the Spirit of God today. We want to worship God in a mighty way today uh, as we present the Living Last Supper. It's going to be a different kind of, of, of a service, not a typical Easter service. We hope that you'll be blessed by the service today. I'm Andy Johnson, the music minister here at Edgewood Baptist Church, and you will meet our senior pastor, Andy Merritt. We both share the same name, but of course, uh, I'm a little bit better looking, so uh, I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, so we do, we do appreciate you be, being here today. Born in a manger, lived perfectly, crucified on a cross. Buried in a tomb. Resurrected to new life. He lives. He reigns. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. And he is worthy to be praised this morning and for all eternity. Amen. Let us stand as we worship him. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Amen.
we can live free from the penalty of sin, uh, free from the stain of guilt and shame, and we can know the power uh, to set us free uh, from sin, that we might live for you and honor you through lives that love you. And so, Lord, we uh, surrender our lives afresh this very day to you, uh, that you would be that power at work in us, both for willing to do of your good pleasure. We pray the overshadowing of your presence upon this service, uh, that you would open our eyes to see the infinite beauty, mercy, and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and in seeing that beauty, grace, and mercy, that we would respond with uh, hearts filled with adoration, appreciation, and love for you. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated, and good morning, and happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Most of you, uh, that is a, a common greeting in the uh, early uh, New Testament. Uh, or in the early Christians, we would say he is risen and in response to he is risen indeed. We're so glad to have you uh, in this service. And we want to take this opportunity to acknowledge any guests that we have with us before we go any further. And so let me ask our uh, ushers to make their way down to the front of the sanctuary. If you are visiting with us today, we'd like to uh, place in your hand right now a couple of pieces that we trust will uh, provide you some good information. And so if you are our guest, if you would be so kind right now just to lift your hand up and just keep it way up. Lights are down a little bit. You might have trouble spotting you out, but they'll eventually get you. And thank you for being present. And let me ask our guest receive those uh, two pieces. Notice the brochure, and there is a place there for you to uh, fill in and tear that off, place it in the offering plate, which will be very, very quickly. Uh, you don't have time to get that done prior to the offering plate to be passed. You just hand it to me as you uh, exit uh, at the end of the service. Uh, but we want to know who you are. We want to know from where you've come. Uh, we want to have the opportunity to begin to pray for you. So please extend back to us that kindness and we trust God to richly bless you for being in the service uh, today as uh, our music ministry will be presenting this music from entitled uh, The Living Lord's Supper. And let me also mention that this will be repeated next Sunday night. So uh, this presentation that you will see this morning will be repeated next Sunday night right here at 6 o'clock. Uh, you're all invited, of course, back to that. And again, another wonderful opportunity to invite friends, co-workers, fellow students uh, to come with you and uh, to be ministered to. We would encourage you to do that. In terms of other announcements, this being Easter, uh, there will be no evening activities at the church uh, tonight. So just keep that in mind. Just have a wonderful time with family. I uh, would remind you, men, one more time, uh, we are about to initiate a new men's ministry here at church, getting them in in small groups, just meeting once a month, and uh, uh, we would encourage you to still sign up for that. You'll probably see in the pews some blue cards, and you can just fill that out, uh, place it in the information desk as you leave today. If you don't see a blue card, they should be out there in the information desk. It would just take you a second to fill that information in contact you and uh, uh, try to work with you in terms of uh, what small group would best work for you in terms of uh, time and, and place. 
Well, right now, we just want to have a wonderful time of uh, fellowship with one another. Give you the opportunity right now to stand and just extend a hand of welcome to those around you, especially make our guests feel welcome.
concerning Andy's comment earlier, no content. Uh, as we uh, go to the Lord in prayer, this will serve as our auditorial prayer. And we'll ask our man to come receive the uh, offering, and we'll move right into the uh, musical and drama aspect of the program. Uh, but we want to pray for Lloyd Hammonds. Lloyd lost a brother uh, this uh, past week. So we want to pray that the Lord and know God's uh, comfort. Let me also mention, uh, in light of the musical drama, uh, we'll keep the children in the service today. We'll give them the opportunity to uh, have this experience so that we know children's church will get back to that for the next uh, Sunday. So about to be in prayer, and then ushers, you, know, you come receive this morning's offering. Lord, you truly are worthy of all of our worship, uh, worthy of our love, and worthy truly of the bowing down of our need and of our hearts. And that's exactly what we do now as we uh, surrender our tithes and offering and gifts to you uh, to demonstrate our love for you, to express our appreciation uh, for you. And uh, so, Lord, receive these gifts uh, as tokens of that love and devotion, and uh, use them that many, many, many others, not just locally, but globally, will come to know just how precious, how powerful, how merciful you are. They, too, would uh, join with us in worshiping you, which in Christ's name we pray.
asking what was her reason for tears.
triumphal entry into Jerusalem. On his way to Jerusalem, he had communicated with his disciples that it would be there that he would be put to death on a cross. Because they were his followers, he wanted the disciples to be aware of what it would cost them. Jesus knew it would mean opposition and suffering for them as well. Matthew 21, 6 tells us that as he approached Jerusalem that Sunday before his death, he was met by adoring crowds. They wanted Jesus to confront the Roman Empire. They believed that by setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem, it would overthrow Rome. As he approached the city, they cheered him wildly. They spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! However, their enthusiasm for him on Sunday would change to antagonism by Thursday. Jesus would not fulfill their desire to confront Rome's political power and military might. To their astonishment, Jesus confronted the Jewish religious leaders' spiritual pride and hypocrisy, and the leaders hated him for it. So, instead of crowning him their king, they planned on killing him as a criminal. John 13 tells us that the night before Jesus would die, the disciples were instructed to prepare for the Passover meal or the Lord's last <coughs> supper. Jesus filled a basin with water and began to wash each of the disciples' feet. This was a shocking breach of etiquette for the dinner host to perform so low a task. But what the significance of the moment portrays cannot be overlooked. Here is the King of Kings humbling himself by taking on the form of a servant. After washing the disciples' feet, Jesus continued the Last Supper. Already this meal had strange overtones compared to a traditional Passover meal. He had washed the feet of his disciples, continued to speak of his coming, crucifixion, and resurrection. But the most shocking moment occurred when Jesus looks up in the middle of the meal and says, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Now, all of us were in the room with Jesus, and he told us that someone around that table would betray him. What would our reaction be? Would you be dismayed, bewildered, surprised, frightened? Would you ask yourself, is it I? Let's hear from Leonardo da Vinci as he expresses his perception of that very moment during the Last Supper.
case, a plastic bag. <coughs> However, right before your eyes, this painting will come to life. Bongiorno. I'm Leonardo da Vinci. And I wanted to, I had a great passion for the Lord's Supper. Now, I've been assigned and commissioned to do many other projects, but this held my heart and my mind and my very soul. I wanted to get the right look, the right expression, and the right feeling. <coughs> now, I'll go to uh, the plaza in Milan, and a stranger would pass me, and I would follow him. I would study his, his, uh, uh, his facial features, his cheekbones, his nose, and even the way he walked. In him, I found the apostle James the Lesser. I didn't hesitate a moment. I went right back to the wall at the refractory and painted all the details that I accumulated from this man. Now, it was not unusual for me to spend weeks at a time on this one project. Then I would leave and stay maybe three to four other uh, weeks at my other projects. And I would get an idea. I would go back to the wall at the refractory, climb the scaffolding, and paint a finger. <coughs> then I would leave <coughs> and go to other projects <coughs> and come back whenever. Now, the painting of the Last Supper is not intended to duplicate the original scene. That took place in first century Palestine, whereas this painting will take place in 16th century Italy. I have chosen what I think to be the most important point in the Last Supper. And that intense moment is when Jesus announces that one of you will betray me. Suddenly those 12 disciples turn into 12 men of various moods and expressions. The only one composed is Jesus who's at the center of the table. He remains calm and collected during all the madness. Now, from your left to right, I have placed the apostles in four groups of three. The first group is Daniel, James the Lesser, and Andrew. Now you'll see Andrew has his hands up trying to stop the madness. In the second group, 
we have Judas, Peter, and John. Now John is about to collapse. He can't believe what Jesus has just said. In the third group we have Thomas, James the brother of John, and Philip. Philip is desperately seeking clarification. In the fourth group, we have Matthew, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot. Matthew and Thaddeus are trying to get answers from Philip, from uh, uh, Simon. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the living Last Supper. Overcoming my initial 
prejudice. Jesus knew that at that very moment I professed him as a son of God. And I said, Rabbi, you are, you are the king of Israel.
prayed, I've eaten with him. And I've prayed with him. And I've learned all I possibly could about Jesus, his truth, and his grace. And about his heavenly father. But now, this very night, he tells us that one of us, his closest twelve, will betray him. Jesus, I want 
others are from Galilee. But my home is in Kerioth in Judea, so I am known as Judas of Kerioth, or Judas Iscariot. Andrew asked me to handle the matter, and Jesus, he believed in me because he chose me as one of his twelve. And despite what others say behind my back about my impatience, my stinginess, my ambition, Jesus believes in me. Otherwise, he would have chosen someone else in my place. Some might say that I've acquired these funds for my own personal use, and that Jesus' words about the love of money were personally directed at me. Others like to remind me Jesus was referring to me when he said, Didn't I choose you twelve, get one of you as the devil? Well, of course I complained when Mary washed his feet with that expensive ointment and perfume. I still think it was a waste of money. And if I conspired with the chief priests, and if I have twenty pieces of silver on my person, that is my affair and not theirs. I believe in Jesus, but someone has to force the issue and make him assert himself as God's Messiah. But he refuses to make such a move. Well, I've made one. He knows what I've done. He said so himself just a little while ago when he was washing my feet. And then again when he dipped his bread in wine and then gave it to me. I have my reasons. My soul is not as black as you think, nor is yours so white. What would you do if you were in my position and you wanted to see Jesus do something startling, dramatic, to bring forth his kingdom? What would you do? And if you were Jesus, what would you do now? Should I ignore his remarks and like the others so self-righteously, so piously be asking is it I? Is it I?
humbling him in all his glory and majesty. I witnessed him resurrect Lazarus from the dead, and was there when he told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, whoever dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I was there when he told Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, I do not consider myself special, but one day, I want to write down all the wonderful things Jesus has said and done. I want people to read them and believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that they may have life in his name. Now, he speaks of tragic things. He says one of us will betray him. I cannot believe this, and yet it must be true or he would not have said it. Who can it be? Is it Peter or Andrew or James? <clears throat> John, the beloved son? Lord, is it I? Is it I?
I'm Thomas, and I was born in Galilee. I'm also known as the twin. I do not look upon life with gloom and doubt, but I need a lot of proof before I believe. I even got the nickname as Doubting Thomas. But I need to see for myself. Well, you see, I need a lot of proof before I believe. I recall the day that Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus was dead. Jesus turned to us and said, let us go to them. We knew there was pending danger surrounding Jesus. And so some of the others did not want to go. I spoke out and rebuked the others by saying, let us go to him that we might die with him. One day when evening had come, Jesus wanted to cross the sea to the other side. We left the crowd and we all climbed into the boats and a great storm arose. Jesus was in the stern asleep. Jesus woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. I will never forget the teachings of Jesus. They were simple but insightful. The context of Jesus' message was one of humility, charity, and brotherly love. teaches transformation of the inner person. I recall that his sermon on the mount was presented in a positive way. His words pierced my heart when he spoke. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I do not understand the opposition that would want to kill him. He's raised the dead. He's caused the blind to see. He's healed the deaf. He cured the leper. But now he says that even among us, the chosen twelve, there is a traitor. Because of my doubts, is he referring to me? Could it be me? Is it I? Is it I?
John and I went to the mountain where we saw Jesus, where we saw the transfiguration. Moses and Elijah were speaking with Jesus. With the urging from our mother, John and I went to Jesus to make a request of him. Teacher, we said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Grant us to sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your glory. He said, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the cup of suffering that I drink from? Or be baptized with the baptism of persecution with which I am baptized? We said that we were able. Jesus answered, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left, it's not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. The other disciples were angry when they heard about our request. Jesus called them to him and said, Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Even when a certain village did not treat Jesus as we thought they should, we got angry and asked the master, Call down fire from heaven and destroy them. But Jesus has taught us that God's way is always the way of love. Why, even tonight, Jesus washed our feet. And now, the one who has taught us to love is being betrayed by one of those whom he loves. Who can it be? Why would one of us do such a thing? I keep asking myself, deep down inside my heart, is it I? Is it I? Philip was humbly asking himself, how 
he was so blessed to be chosen to be in that upper room as an apostle of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Scripture tells us that Philip, Andrew, and Peter were all from the same town of Bethsaida, which is near the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had personally come to Philip and asked him to follow him. During the close years of fellowship and learning, Philip's faith had grown deeper and stronger. He had always wanted to know more about the nature and person of God, but when Jesus began telling the disciples that God was their heavenly Father, it was almost beyond his understanding. However, in John 14, 9, Jesus asked Philip, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? The Last Supper displays an overpowering insight into the heart of Christ and his relationship with the disciples. But it also reveals our own human nature for love, faith, hope, doubt, and searching. Philip was shocked when Jesus told them that one of them would betray him. Surely Philip was asking, doesn't the betrayer know that when he betrays Jesus, he betrays God? And when he conspires against Jesus, he conspires against God? How could one of their numbers be so blind? Who could it be? Jesus, to you I have pledged my loyalty. Can it be me? Is it I? Is it I?
been called Levi, or Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus found me at my tax collection booth and said, follow me. So I got up and I followed him. That evening, I gave him a great feast in my home. The disciples and many of my business associates were there. It was a joyous occasion to be entertaining Jesus in my home. But some of the Pharisees were complaining that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus said, those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. He reminded them of the words of Josiah the prophet, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I am convinced that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies concerning the Messiah. I have listened carefully to all his sermons and parables. Someday I hope to write a paper of all his sacred writings and teachings, proving he is the Messiah. It will contain the message, the good news to all the world. But now he speaks bad news, tragic news, that one of us would betray him. <clears throat> Who could it be? Do they suspect me because I was once a hated tax collector? Or do I suspect myself? Is it I? Is it I? Yet I am courageous. 
I remember the day he gave that great invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or the big fisherman, perhaps? 
or does he suspect me? Because I am the only former zealot among us. Is it I? Is it I?
turn against God's song, and yet I can't help wondering deep inside, is it
struggling. If every one of us were to ask, is it I? It would be what? Yes. That's the essence of sin. Betraying the love of our Creator, betraying the, betraying the love of our Redeemer. What did the prophet say? All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. And each one has turned to his what? To his own life. Just like those disciples, we're all guilty of being more concerned about ourselves than God, more committed to our self-interest than his interest and guilty of self-love instead of a deep love for God. And so this points out what? Our great need, which is fundamentally brings us to two things. We're guilty sinners before God. And we need to be delivered from the penalty of sin because we stand Guilty. Scripture says what? All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Separation from God. Not only in this life, but to know eternal damnation. So I need to be declared not guilty. I need to be justified. But not just that. I need to know a power that will deliver me from self to love God, to honor God. Those disciples learned that night. All they wanted to follow him, they could not follow him. They were impotent. And that brings us, praise God, to Good Friday and Easter. When he died on that cross, he died to deliver us from the penalty of our sin. As the scripture says, he was pierced for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. There on the cross, he took the punishment we deserve. He took our judgment as he died as our substitute in our place so that this morning God could declare us what? Not guilty. Justified. And praise God for that. But I not only want to be declared not guilty, justified, I want now to begin to walk in my freedom in a new way, with power, to walk in righteousness and holiness, and to love God and to love men. And that's what the resurrection is all about. Jesus was raised from the dead, and he said, for all those who put their trust in me to deliver them from the penalty of sin, I will also give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that raised me from the dead, to empower you to do what you could never do apart from me. To empower you to love me, to honor me, to turn from sin, to walk in righteousness. So praise God, the Good Friday and Easter, it, it meets our every need. Not only delivering us from the very penalty of sin, but from the very power of sin to walk in newness of life. And then of course, you know what our great hope is because of all of that. But the promise, the guarantee is that one day we'll be delivered from the very what? Presence of sin. In the very in the presence of God to live with him forever. So if we extend the invitation this morning, 
possibly you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have never put your trust in Jesus as the one who died for the penalty of your sin and then rose again to take up residence in your life as your Savior and your Lord. And I would implore you this day to invite him in. To accept what he did for you as judgment for your sin. That you could be declared not guilty, justified before a holy God. And then to know him to take up residence in your life. To walk in newness of life. To walk in a manner to love him. That will please him. That will lead you to true joy and true fulfillment. And then I know there are many believers here. And here's reality. In a crowd of this size, there are those that are betraying you right now. There are those that are living a lie. There are those living a life of duplicity. You're doing things that you should not do. You have attitudes that you should not have. Character and conduct that betrays him. You've become more interested in your interest than his interest. Other things, other relationships have greater value in your life than he has. And therefore you've compromised your faith to follow after these other things. You've lost the reality of his preciousness. His worth is value. You've left your first love. I would implore you to return to Jesus as your first love this morning. Believe it. Acknowledge your error. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your failure. Because he loves you with a love that is eternal. That will never fail you. That will never let you go. And he's ready to receive you back with open arms. So please stand. And as the invitation is extended, I'll be standing here at the front to receive anyone that has a decision of any nature. But again, you don't need to come forward to let God do a work in your heart right now. So I pray as the invitation is extended, every single one of us will respond appropriately to God. If you do not know Him, Come to know him in this name. If you know him and you've been betraying him, return to him as your first love.
Yes.